the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. AM970 presents Eye on Real Estate. This is your premier source for real estate information. From the hot properties in the tri-state to the latest in real estate market trends. From mortgage news to answers to all of your real estate questions, you'll be in the know with help from the experts. Call now, 866-970-9622. 866-970-9622. Now, here's your host for Eye on Real Estate, Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Good morning. Good morning to all my friends and listeners. I'm Dottie Herman, the CEO of Douglas Element, and you're listening to Ion Real Estate. We're the only show on talk radio that's all about real estate and everything that has to do with real estate. And right now that means the coronavirus and what it's doing and how it's affecting real estate. We're going to talk about it today and give you an update on how it affects you in real estate, how it affects you if you're a buyer or if you're a seller, if you're applying for a mortgage or refinance, uh, if you're a landlord, if you're a tenant. Um, but then we're also going to try to start to look at some of the things that people need to look at and how is, how is this, how is business going to come back? You know, are there going to be different jobs needed? Um, are there going to be different skills required? And if you're one of the people that thinks they lost their job or lost the job, what kind of things maybe can you start to brush up on? Um, because this will end one day. We all want to be prepared for that, too, hopefully sooner than later. Um, please be a part of our show. We'd love to hear from you all the time. And call us at 866-970-8622. Okay, that's 866-970-8622. There are many things That's and changes taking place that affect your mortgage and credit, and Ace Water Suparp is with me to explain what the changes mean to you and how that affects, again, buyers and sellers and people looking for mortgages or refinance. Ace, as you know, is the Senior Vice President of Citizens Bank, and we're grateful for him for taking the time every Saturday morning for many years now um, to join us on the show. I can't say that you could find anybody more knowledgeable about mortgages than ACE. So if you have any questions about refinancing or if you need advice in getting a mortgage or a home equity loan, now's your chance to get the advice by the senior VP of one of the biggest lenders in the New York area, 866-970-9622. And I said 8622 before. Yes. I'd like to thank Citizens Bank, which works with Douglas Elliman. As the preferred lender, Citizens one of the nation's oldest, largest financial institutions, and we thank them for their support. They also support um, our customers, and they provide integrated experience that includes mobile and online banking, a 24-7 customer contact center, and 3,200 ATMs. So you can easily find more information about Citizens Bank if you go to citizensbank.com. Also with us today is Steve Ebert, 
Abert, who is a partner in Barton LLP, one of the top law firms in New York City, with a specialty in real estate. Morning, Steve. Good morning, everybody. Good morning, Ace. Good morning, Dottie. Good morning, Stephen. Yeah. Stephen is an innovative law firm that's just run the Barton COVID-19 Resource Center. We're going to talk about what that resource center did last week when we ran out of time. So Steve's going to talk about that as soon as I'm done. And if you have any legal questions or dilemmas about what's going on now, you can give us a call at 866-970-9622. We also have Dr. Sherry Spritt, a prominent psychiatrist. She'll be on later in the show. She's here to give us a little inspiration and talk about all the psychological trauma and effects that you might be experiencing because people are experiencing it and it's pretty normal so don't don't be afraid to talk about it i think talking about it is probably the best thing that you can do um that's the most important thing is that we're not alone in this and i don't want to be rep do a lot of the same thing we're in this together but we're all experiencing stress and a little anxiety because there's a lot of uncertainties and we're trying to week by week go through as things change today Stephen and ace and i are going to give you the lowdown on the state of the market and what's going on and what the future looks like in real estate. We'll try to talk about home showings, which I didn't get to last week, and how and if you're buying or selling in this time, what you should look to do and how should you do it. Okay, we're going to spend a lot of the show on that. Obviously, if today is your birthday, you're an Aries, and you share it with one of the most famous people in the world, uh, real television star Courtney Kardashian, who was born on this day in 1979. And I must say, those are the greatest marketing geniuses I know. Uh, they are. You, they really are. Uh, say what you want about them, whether you watch it or not, they certainly are marketing <laughs> geniuses. And I always tell people, it's not the best person that always wins. It's the person who knows how to market themselves in the best way. Remember, you can always reach us at Twitter. Facebook or Instagram or DottieHerman.com or call us at the show at 866-970-9622. Or is it 8622? Steve, you probably have a crazy week going on uh, with all that's going on. What was, you know, the one big thing that happened in the legal world this past week? Sure. Uh, there's definitely been a, a lot of changes um, in, in, what, in what's going on and how things are handled. I would say you'd really have an, an integration um, on legal and really mortgage um, on just some of the rules, um, the way banks are changing things. But uh, specifically, um, a, a number of federal regulatory agencies that regulate banks um, put out an interim rule, which they're formalizing, which will allow banks to actually, in, in, in loans that don't go to Fannie Mae or Freddie Mac, conduct an appraisal um, after they actually have a closing. They have up to 120 days. So that is a very atypical law, to say the least. Um, it, it's really a first time that I've seen, and it really goes to show um, that the government is trying to be creative uh, and giving some flexibility to lenders and protect also um, appraisers and homeowners um, and at the same time keep the market moving along. So that, that, that's been the m most unusual 
uh, legal change um, that Can I saw I this week. Because I was on the phone with Jonathan Miller, and for those of you who were listening, since we started, Jonathan was on the show. Uh, just got yeah. to be too much for him to come from Connecticut every week. However, um, if they do it, when, if they do it after you get a commitment, when, when how long after? Well, so what happens is these are for loans that close between now and the end of this calendar year. So it's okay. a temporary rule. We're going to have it right for a little over half a year. Um, and basically, banks can't just say we're not going to take any data points. Um, but effectively, they are, you know, ha- have ways to either do some what we call desktop underwriting uh, for an appraisal, basically doing the electronic research, looking at comps, um, things like that. But effectively, they could actually skip the appraisal inspection, and they have up to 120 days to do it after the closing. And you know, this so is what really happens if it doesn't? When I, I, I understand. Well, so just for our audience. When, when you have, uh, when you sell a home and somebody's applying for a mortgage, the bank sends its appraiser to see, make sure that the house is worth, uh, basically what your mortgage amount is going to be. Mm-hmm. And they usually go inside and do a physical inspection. Now, if they don't do a physical inspection, because most of them come to the real estate offices and use the comps or they use Zillow's comps, what happens if it doesn't appraise after you closed already? That, 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 that is the million or maybe multi-million dollar question, um, that's out there. Because you have this, uh, you have this dilemma where banks can utilize this process and now it's out in the news. So banks are in a very odd position. Um, they're not forced to do this. They have the ability to do this. Um, but it's really a risk management tool. And this is where, you know, if banks are looking to take these loans, and then sell them on the secondary market, and they're saying it fits in with the program, what happens if it doesn't appraise? Um, it, it's a great point. And what's interesting about this, this law does not apply to any agency loan. So if you're getting a loan that goes to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, Veterans Administration, FHA, this rule does not apply to those types of loans. So really... Banks are going to be put in a slightly, I think, awkward and unfair position because they basically are going to have to set, you know, policies if they want implemented. And what's going to happen is you have a rule like this where consumers are going to hear about and say, great, I don't need an appraisal on my home. It's not quite that um, because there's still banks are still supposed to do background checks, like do some comparable property analysis, things like that. Mm-hmm. Um and then what happens if a bank does this and it doesn't appraise afterwards? You could really have some balance sheet questions. So I think it will be out there, and I think banks will have to be and will be very, very judicious in how they apply uh, this type of program um, because we're talking major, major dollars here, bigger loans, and um, really uncharted territory. So I would say that's the most surprising legal change uh, this week. Ace, do you have anything to add to that? I mean, you're with the bank. I mean, the house. I mean, that seems like a crazy thing to allow somebody to appraise the house basically after you close on it. What are they going to take the house back? It doesn't yeah, appraise. Yeah, I think, I, I think the the regulators were, you know, and and again to Stephen's point, this is something that that will qualify for Fannie and Freddie, but it probably wouldn't really benefit the bank um, as much, right? Because if we go ahead and close. 
the file and some somehow the appraisal actually comes in lower, it's a huge risk not only to the bank but to the to the borrower themselves as well, right? Because then their loan to value goes down and now they're going to be almost upside down on their mortgage with the value. So um, I don't see a lot of banks adopting this, even though it's it's out there. Um, it's it's just too much. There's just too much risk um, being had here, and you know a lot of the times with with environments such as COVID nineteen, you know what banks are actually doing is they're actually adapting their guidelines to adapt with the environment meaning a little bit of a higher LTV, a little bit of a higher credit score. So I don't think this, um, which which is big, which is a big change, right, in philosophy, uh, where we can go ahead and close and then do an appraisal 120 days later, that allotment, that's that's a big risk um, yeah. for not only I the think, bank, but yeah, I think that it's so much right that's thrown out that they, you know, they're scurrying and they're trying to do, but, you know, it, like it's hard to just do all these things. And it's I think hard. some of them are going to have yeah. to get tweaked a little bit. But Ace, as I asked Steve, what, is, what was the biggest thing that happened in the world of mortgage and finance this past week? Mortgage and finance, I can say, um, you know, even on the show we talk about SBA uh, loans, right? And there was a $2 trillion or $3 trillion stimulus package that came out. And part of that stimulus package program was a small business loan of around $350 billion. Well, guess what? After two weeks of the program coming out, which was the payroll protection program, right. the, um, the government ran out of funds. Everybody took advantage of the loan, Dottie. So two weeks, $350 billion, uh, was used Wait. up to now. Wait, start over now, again. They, now, what, that's yeah. a big number. What exactly it's happened? a big number. So basically, after they rolled out the PPP program, which is the payroll protection program for small businesses, um, within two weeks, $350 billion was used up. So now they're working around the clock to see if they want to, to see if they want to actually implement another $350 billion uh, worth of small business loans. So that's been one of the biggest uh, news within the finance world, right? Um, that was that was within two yeah. weeks, Dottie. I mean, we've, we've never seen anything like it. So, um, yeah, like, I'm just more, wondering, more and, and, and maybe it, it, you guys have thoughts on this. I, um, and, we met, and maybe anyone at home is listening, please, 866-970-8622. Um, uh, I'm just wondering, because I, I, you know, I, I heard that, you know, we asked uh, maybe that New York needs another $10 billion and I think they asked for another hundred billion for a new stimulus package that's worth another. Where is this money going to come from? We don't really have it. I mean, what are we just printing money? I, I just, I worry. I mean, look, obviously the first thing is that everyone's safe and that we, we curtail this and, and hopefully stop the, the rise of deaths, which looks like it's kind of calming down a bit um, in New York. Um, still high though. Um, but I, I kind of wonder what's this economy, what are we going to look like when this is all over? I mean, I don't, I just see, we don't, I, I'm, <laughs> they're dead. I mean, they're just printing money and printing money and I'm just wondering, uh, how's that going to look when this is all said and done? Do you have any thoughts? I, I think you're making a great point. I want to address that. And I also want to add something also to, to what Ace was talking about, the SBA program. But, Look, addressing your point, Dottie, first, you're absolutely right. At a certain point, you just can't keep on printing money. I mean, it's, and right now with every government, you know, it's, you're basically backing it by the economy, um, and the full faith and credit of that particular government. So at a certain point, there has to be a decision to be made, and this, 
and I, and I hope this doesn't come out the wrong way because I've had this discussion with a number of clients. At some point, the government's going to make a decision, as they always do, and say, okay, we've sort of hit the limit. We can't, we have to make a choice, and there is a decision where we can only quarantine for so long because while we're, you know, we're solving one problem and flattening the curve, at the same time, if we lose resources, then there are other services that cannot be provided and you'll have societal failure. So really what's going to happen is they're going to have to make a decision. You know, our firm, we're based in Manhattan, but we have also a second office in Nashville, Tennessee. The mayor of Nashville, you know, said Nashville's open back up on May 15th, you know, made that local decision. And obviously they're in a different situation than New York. Um, but at a certain point, they have to do the cost-benefit analysis and say, look, at, at a certain point, you know, th- there's, there's a great saying, you know, you got to give charity, but don't give charity at a level that makes yourself a charity case. At a certain point, we, we have to stopped. put an end to it. Otherwise, it's going to create bigger Now, is it true? Somebody call, you know, my phone is like the legal, I mean, it's like the hotline. I don't get off the phone until like midnight every day. Everyone's calling. Now, I didn't read this. I didn't hear this. But someone told me that the transit authority in New York City is broke. Did anyone hear well, that? I mean, someone just called me and told me that. So I don't know if it's true or not. I was just wondering. They've had, a, I think, an issue with, you know, what their actual numbers are for decades. Um, oh. But, I, but I, I think the issue, and they're absolutely right on this, is that right now they have an indebtedness of about $55 billion for the MTA. Oh, yeah. And the issue is that they have money set aside for capital improvements, like new signals, new cars. And the problem that they have is, and, and this is from memory, so I probably got to them slightly off on the numbers, it costs over a billion dollars a month to run the MTA. But ridership is down like 95%. So even with reduced schedules, at a certain point, they're going to be bleeding through money set aside for capital improvements. Um, So regardless of how well or not things are run or so forth, but they're going to have to either get riders back on or, for example, they have, you know, like the new program to replace the Metro card with, you know, touchless pay systems, which, especially with the COVID-19, is a great upgrade. They're going to have to take that money to just keep it running at some point. Um, so, yes. yeah, there's definitely financial distress for them. Yeah. Yeah, Ace, any thought? I mean, it's kind of like, really, I just, um, um, I, I really worry about what we're going to look like when we come out of this. It's really a delicate yeah. balance, and it's a tough job. I mean, I don't. I, you know, I think it's kind of really uh, to, to know the balance of where you have to let the economy start to come back because if you don't, we'll be in a depression, uh, they say, worse than the, the, the 20s. But if you do, then you have to be careful that people really are not still spreading the disease. So it's kind of really a – it's not an easy thing. I mean, it really is it's, difficult. It's, it's, it's really difficult. To Stephen's point, if we continue this, then financially, how much can we actually – um, how, how much can we print money, right? And if you print money down the line, I mean, it, that's not a question. It will devalue the dollar. And does that put us behind certain countries when it comes to just the, the, the economy as a whole, right? Um, so that's something that we need to think about, which is all this print of money just puts the national debt at an all-time high. But then if we lift the ban... I think we have a commercial, and we're going to come back and finish oh. that up right after the commercial yeah. break. 
We'll be right back after the break. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover. All for just three bucks, plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter 4466 at checkout. That's harrys.com, code 4466. Enjoy. Relief factor, pain relief that's natural, pain relief that works, and pain relief that attacks the source of the pain. I've come from the doctor's clinic this morning, 28 staples out of my knee, and I am not taking painkillers. Why? Because I don't need to. I'm taking relief factor. Yes, it's a triple dose, but it doesn't have any negative side effects, and I am doing just fine. Thank you very much. That's the experience of tens of thousands of Americans who are taking relief factor right now. See their incredible video endorsements at relieffactor.com and then order your three-week quick starter pack for just $19.95. That's less than a dollar a day. That's truly remarkable to be liberated from your pain for less than a dollar a day. Find out if it can work for you like it works for me by ordering your three-week quick starter pack today. Go right now. ReliefFactor.com. ReliefFactor.com. This is your opportunity to be the next success story. This is Dennis Prager and my friends, they're at it again. The left is doing its best to silence ideas it doesn't like. Hollywood does not want you to see my film, No Safe Spaces, which is why you won't see it on Netflix or Amazon Prime. But now you can watch No Safe Spaces for a limited time at nosafespaces.com. It's time to fight back and protect freedom in America. See No Safe Spaces. It is a great film starring me and Adam Carolla. Go to nosafespaces.com. Hi, Kevin McCullough. Have you ever had a legal question pertaining to elder law or estate law? Well, every Thursday during Kevin McCullough Radio, you hear from Mike Connors of Connors & Sullivan Attorneys at Law answering a listener's actual question. Simply email that question to askmikeconnors at gmail.com or call Mike's office at 718-238-6500. And don't forget to tune in to Ask the Lawyer with Mike Connors Saturday mornings at 8 a.m. on AM 570 The Mission and Sunday mornings on AM 970 The Answer at 11. Listen to AM 970 The Answer on Alexa, TuneIn, iHeart, or Radio.com. Stop by O'Reilly Auto Parts for our spring break deals on lawn and garden batteries, wiper blades, brake kits, and more. Kick off the season right with fresh batteries for your lawn gear. For a limited time, purchase any Superstart lawn and garden battery and get a $10 gift card after mail-in rebate. 
O'Reilly Auto Parts. Better parts, better prices every day. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Be part of an extraordinary adventure to Israel this year. You're invited to the Stand with Israel tour with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell this December. Join AM 970 The Answer for a 10-day all-inclusive expedition into Israel's fascinating history, dynamic diversity, and significant future. Experience Jerusalem, modern Tel Aviv, Masada, and so much more, all in the comfort of first-class accommodations. Register today for the Stand with Israel tour with Dr. Sebastian Gorka and Mike Lindell. Visit am970theanswer.com. It's I on real estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. We're back and you're listening to I on real estate and obviously we cover all bases we cover legal with Steve, and he's a prominent attorney, and Ace knows all the financing questions, and I pretty much know the real estate. So we're dealing with very uncertain times, so we're keeping you updated on everything, and we hope that you'll call us at 866-970-9622. And before we start, because I have some questions that people are texted in or emailed, and excuse me for Steve and Ace, but I think we have a caller on the line. Kathy? That's Maddie. Maddie. Excuse me, I don't have my screen in front of me. We're doing the best we can. Uh, Maddie? Hello? Hi. Hi, Maddie. Hi. How are you doing? Good. I have a question about the appraisals. My daughter just recently uh, refinanced her home and be, in the middle of this coronavirus thing. But right. now if it's going to be a desktop uh, appraisal or an exterior appraisal, are they still going to charge the $500? So if I'm paying for an appraisal, I want to get my money's worth. I don't want them to lowball me and have to pay that extra expense. I don't know if you Well, know I don't know. I, I'm just, you know, we can ask Jonathan and get back to you on that. I, I just off the top of my head don't think they're going to charge less for it. Um, yeah. But that's, you know, I mean, I didn't hear anything about that. And I was just on the phone with Jonathan Miller, who's probably the leading appraiser in the, in the country. And uh, I was on the phone yesterday to see how he was doing. And he was telling me that they're still doing appraisals, um, actually going in properties. But he said that a lot of the people don't want to take transit now, so that's limiting them to doing as many. All right. But so I would doubt willing to let them in. The if, the, if you're willing to let them in, then then you you could. I mean, would they want to go in? That's the whole thing. You, I, I, don't, I don't think there's a, uh, an answer. I know a friend of mine who happens to be uh, uh, one of the managers on Long Island for Douglas Elliman. She just uh-huh. uh, sold her house, and the appraiser went in. I mean, he wore okay. gloves, and, of course, yeah. she had to consent to it because the seller has to, you know, say it's okay, right. too. But I don't know. I'll ask Steve. I don't, I don't know anything about them charging less. I wouldn't think they would. But, okay. you know, maybe you yeah, know something, I Steve. I know they don't let you use your own appraiser. Because we asked the bank, we asked that. Because we have someone who's an appraiser, and they said, no, they can't do that. <clears throat> no, but what I would do is if you went to a broker uh, that sold your house, um, no, you no, should no. ask your it's broker a, if they would provide you. Excuse me? It's not, it's a refinance. It's a re, yeah, well, if you call a broker in the area, like where you, where are you, where are you? 
Uh, Suffolk County. Miller Place. Yeah. Miller Place. Yes. Okay, so you're by some talk at that area. Um, yes. We will, if you, if you leave me your number, what, one of our offices can, can, can do comps for you, you know, showing what's sold in, okay. in the market. And it's always good to have that handy to, to right. when the appraiser comes. Um, so if you leave the number, we do that for you. It's not a problem. Okay. We just take oh, it off the great. computer. All right? Just leave right, the number and I'll get to it. Yeah. Okay. But I, I doubt they're going to charge less. <laughs> I would pretty okay. much, if I was a betting person, bet that they won't. Yeah, I know. <laughs> I don't think so either. But it's a good try. <laughs> All right. Thank you. Yeah, thanks. Have a good day. Be safe. Okay. Bye-bye. Okay. Steve, um, why, uh, we have a question for you. Um, this question came in from uh, one of our listeners. And there was uh, a, a man called Mario Salerno, and he decided last month to waive his April rent for roughly 200 Brooklyn tenants, which was a really nice thing to do. And so he did it with a letter taped to the outside of his building. So he taped Okay, Mr. Solano said that he did not care about losing his rental income in April, nor did he care to calculate the amount that he would not be collecting from his 80 apartments. He said he had about 200 to 300 tenants in total. Okay, so he just left a note basically on the walls that said, you know, he's not going to collect rent. So the case, the question was, um, what is the best way for landlords to interact with tenants during this crisis? Uh, particularly those who may end up not paying their rent during the ongoing uh, virus, okay? You know, is, is that a legally binding contract? Like, in other words, he didn't put anything in writing. He just taped something to the wall. So the question somebody's asking me, obviously, that lives in this building, is what if he changes his mind? Will the tenants ever have to pay him back? Did you hear me? Can, can, can you hear me, Daddy? Yes, I yeah. can hear you. Okay, great. Okay, great. I just wanted to acknowledge um, that what a generous offer that he that he voluntarily made because um, he had no obligation to do that, um, and that is really a very kind thing to do in these times. Now, on the one hand, you know, normally and particularly in real estate, you want to put things in writing um, to really make it binding. However, there's also um, a, a doctrine of something called clean hands and the actions of the parties. So if I was a tenant, especially a residential tenant, I would not worry about him coming back. If there is documented evidence that he said, you know, April is on me, don't pay, that you can rely on that um, because there are certain what we call equitable doctrines based on the actions of the party. So they would be safe, especially if he's posting this around um, and the tenants are saying this. Um, as a giving advice to a landlord, um, you know, it's a, it's a great kind thing that he did. Legally, I would do it slightly differently. You know, you'd want to either have some sort of notice, um, however you communicate with the tenants, and then also, you really want to ask yourself a question, um, what happens if um, tenants then don't pay the next month, or what happens if tenants cause some damage? Um, so you just want to make sure you think it through, um, that the, the landlord protects himself, but you know, what a very selfless act, and that's something that the tenants can rely on. Well, let me ask you, Steve, while we're on this. Because uh, I know a lot of people who actually we've been telling everyone to be proactive if you're if you're going to be 
late on your mortgage payment, not to not pay, to call a bank. And if you think you're going to have a tough time paying your rent, to be proactive and call your landlord. So let's say I'm an individual and I call my landlord and I say, you know, my rent is uh Three thousand a month, and I, you know, I can't, I can't give that. I, I just lost my job. I can pay fifteen hundred. Would that be okay for the next three months, and I'll make it up, or something of that nature? What if I don't have that in writing? Should I have that in writing? So if if the landlord agrees, I mean, in other words, if you don't have this in writing, and I guess says, you know, and and then the landlord said, well, I never said that. I mean, or vice versa. I mean. Should you have something in writing if you called up? Because we've told everyone to call up your, your landlords if you're having a problem. Would you recommend that, or do you think it's okay not to have it? Absolutely have a follow-up in writing. I think the best approach is is to have initially a phone conversation because that way there can be a dialogue. Sometimes, and I'm sure you've all seen this, you get a text or you get an email and you read that, and it's very hard to see the tone of the person. Having the, psycho the psychology of a conversation and hearing their tone and how they're approaching it is very, very critical, especially when you're talking about a consumer-type transaction in, in a residential lease. So my recommendation is you have the call, and if there is an agreement, such as the one you mentioned, where a partial payment and a partial deferral, you should then have something in writing so that it's not forgotten. Because what if there's, let's say, a dispute with the landlord later on over something else or some other issue? You don't want to, as a tenant, put yourself in a bad place. Now, if the landlord says, trust me, don't worry about it, um, then there's a couple of ways to respond. Number one, in every check, if you're handwriting a check, you have a memo section. You can make a note over there. The other thing you can do is send a writing to follow. And this is also a great way to approach it. You can say, you know, per our conversation on April 14th, you said I'm only required to pay 1500 now and that the remaining 1500 for the rent I can pay in October. You know, thank you so much for such a courtesy. And then either send it by email and make sure it goes through because you have a time date stamp or send it if you have to by regular mail, but put something in there that you can track it. If you just put a stamp on it, right, you don't have a, an official record of it. So make sure you have some kind of tracking mechanism that you send some postage just to protect yourself because there is a lot going on. And people might honestly even forget. You're right. And I think that's great advice. If you, you know, get what I always say in business, get it writing if you can get it writing because people have a way of forgetting sometimes. Plus, it's always better. So thank you for that because I think that's really important. I know a lot of people that I know didn't get anything in writing. So um, for those of you who didn't, it's best, or as Steve said, send a letter to them thanking them and, you know, send it to them and then also send, maybe put it on the check when you pay. Um, Ace, I have, a qu I have two questions for you. One was somebody called in from um, New York City and said, is there a difference in getting a mortgage for a condo or a co-op? Oh, I think we have a break. If somebody defaults on a condo, we're going to answer that question after the break. I think that we are heading for a break. Balance of nature. Changing the world one life at a time. 
I have a tough, tough shift. I work from 10.30 to 7 in the morning, and then I run a business also. Sometimes I don't even get a lot of sleep. So I really needed this pill, and I kept hearing about it for a very, very long time, and I was kind of a skeptic at the beginning, but I said, you know what, let me give it a try. Best decision I made to give it a try. The pills are doing me wonders. They are doing me wonders. I feel great. My energy levels are off the chart. I don't feel the aches and pains that I felt before. I feel great on them. They're doing wonders for my body, and I'd like to relate that message. For me, it's been going very, very well. I feel a lot of benefits from it. I haven't been getting sick as much. I'm very pleased with the product, and I feel just generally in better health. I've been listening and listening and listening on the radio, and it's been fantastic, and I absolutely love the products. It's given me a lot more energy. I feel a whole lot different. I can actually taste food a lot differently now, so it affected the way I was tasting my food. That was the very first thing that I noticed. But I absolutely love the product, so I just I want to continue it. The energy level is very good. I haven't had any colds. I don't feel sick. Overall, I'm doing very well, and I'm very happy. My wife takes it as well. The two of us both feel more energy, and we feel very happy that we haven't gotten sick, and uh, we're, we're doing fine. Given the circumstances of the whole rest of the world, feeling fine is a, a gift at this point, so I'm very happy about that. Don't wait to see what getting over 10 servings of whole fruits and vegetables every day can do for you. Right now, Balance of Nature is offering free shipping and 35% off on any new preferred order. Start your journey to better health today by calling 1-800-2468-751 or by going to balanceofnature.com. And make sure to receive this special radio offer by using discount code THEANSWER. I'm Laura Schaefer, General Sales Manager for WMCA and AM970, The Answer. This is a tough time for all of us, especially those in the restaurant business. With the restrictions and fear of spreading the virus, restaurants are closed or restricted to takeout options. We want to support you as restaurant owners by providing you with a platform to share your takeout deals with our listeners. We've created a webpage where our listeners can find your restaurant special deals. It's easy and extremely affordable. All you have to do is go to our website, submit your info, and we'll follow up with the next steps. We'll even post your ad on our sister station, WMCA.com. Listeners, you'll be able to find all the listings on our website. So head to am970theanswer.com to lend your support. We'll get through this together. Stay safe and stay healthy from our staff to your families. Take AM 970 The Answer anywhere you go with our mobile app. Get in on iTunes, Google Play, or listen on TuneIn, iHeart, Alexa, or Radio.com. Now with Justice Neil Gorsuch, a member of the U.S. Supreme Court, what has his influence been? Has the court been more or less partisan? This weekend on Champions of Justice, Tom Girardi talks with James Zirin, the author of Supremely Partisan, a look at the court's history all the way back to 1803 and future politics. Tune in Champions of Justice, Sunday mornings at 10, here on AM 970, The Answer. It's I on Real Estate. Got a question? Call 866-970-9622. Here's Douglas Elements CEO, Dottie Herman. Well, we're back. You're listening to I on Real Estate at 866-970-9622. Um, we were in the middle of a question for Ace. Um, 
when the break kind of interrupted us. And the question was, Ace, um, this person wants to know that they live in a, they live in a co-op in New York City, and if they default, will the building or the bank own their shares? Because the co-op obviously is not, you own shares in a corporation, it's not, you don't own the real estate outright. So if they defaulted, where would the, their shares go? Who would own it? The bank or the real estate or the, uh, or the, uh, building? Um, the bank will have the first lien position, um, depending on, you know, if, if they took out the uh, first mortgage with a certain bank, the bank will have a first lien position, and if they bought it free and clear, then obviously the co-op board uh, would probably, the building would probably be the uh, first lien holder on the property, and that's probably more Stephen's um, expertise here, but, um, you know, I, I would imagine if they had a mortgage uh, with a financial institution, then they would have that first lien position as well. On the on the shares. Yeah, yeah. Just just to add, add to that, at the closing, there, there's a document that's signed, what we call an Act Aztec Recognition Agreement, in which yes. the yes. co-op, the bank, and the and the shareholder all sign, where all three recognize everybody's rights and responsibility. So what effectively would happen was, if they are not paying the mortgage, the bank has to notify the co-op. If the homeowner is not paying the co-op, they got to notify the bank. And then what happens is either the co-op or the bank, if they're not being paid, can take action. Um, and eventually what will happen is if the non-payment is made, the action will be brought. And then what will happen is um, the property will eventually be sold. And once sold, the co-op will be made whole, the bank will be made whole, and then basically if there's any equity left, then and only then, would um, the shareholder get some money. So it is important to note that the co-op and the lender are not going to, quote, make a profit on it. You still have whatever equity you have, but they do have to be repaid first because when you sign along with a bank, the first thing you say is, I promise to pay. You promise to pay them back. So. Thank you for that answer. Another question, I guess both of you can answer this. And um, I know that when you take a mortgage out, that that mortgage um, provides for what you owe the bank plus property taxes. Uh, obviously, if you pay it in cash, you just then pay your taxes. And we have a question from a caller who doesn't want to be identified and says, uh, well, can you make a payment plan on your taxes, on your property taxes? Uh, is there any way if you can't pay your property taxes? Now, they don't specify whether they have a mortgage or not, so I really don't know mm-hmm. uh, if they have a mortgage or this is uh, somebody that paid, you know, paid in cash or paid it all off. So, um, would would th- would they be able to make a deal on taxes, assuming you couldn't pay your taxes? I mean, if you're paying your mortgage, usually the taxes are included in that payment. But what if you? have it paid in full already and you've paid off your mortgage and now you can't afford the taxes. Sure. Uh, do you want me to address this first or would you like to go first? Yeah, you can address it first and I'll, and I'll chime in. Not a problem. Okay. Great. So let's just, let's do two scenarios, as you mentioned, Adi. Let's say the first one, there is no mortgage. Um, then what happens is the homeowner is dealing directly with the local receiver of, tra- of taxes. That is going to vary town by town, city by city. But let me just go with New York City, um, just use that as an example. Um, what will happen is you will incur a late fee, 
and you'll see on your account that you owe the taxes, and there's a late charge that would continue. But you are allowed to be behind for up to three years before ultimately they can take action against you. Once you've not paid your property taxes for three years, then they can do what's called a tax lien sale, and then somebody out there at auction could look to buy that interest up and then go after you and try to and, and foreclose on the property. So not that I'd ever advise you to not pay your bills on time, but if you were in a situation where it's just an impossibility and say, look, I just can't pay on time now, but six months from now I can, you'll be hit with a late fee, but you will have the opportunity to catch up. Now, that's if you don't have a mortgage. If you do have a mortgage, um, typically the bank escrows. If the bank doesn't escrow and you can't pay on time, the bank usually has a clause that reserves the right to mandate that you escrow the tax with the bank. And that just means you pay them into an account and then they pay it when the bills do. But if you are not paying them on time, what happens is the bank will typically be paying the taxes because they don't want to have anything affect their lien, but then what happens is that would be viewed by the bank the same way as if you're late on just paying the regular principal and interest payment. You'd incur late um, fees. It could affect your credit, and then eventually the bank could take action against you if you don't catch up on it. Right, and somebody's asking, are banks, uh, are, are banks putting programs in place for that or... Not really. Not not for taxes, Dottie, not that I know of. Um, but, you know, to Stephen's point, um, if you are not escrowing, let's say you're you're not escrowing your taxes with the mortgage and you're paying it separately, and if you're behind on your on your taxes, you know, the banks will require you to, to definitely pay the taxes first as well, right? Um, taxes are okay, probably the most yeah. critical. This here, came in so. just now. Ace, it says a bank's adopting an FAP program, foreclosure avoidance programs, especially since there's 22 million people who have applied for unemployment. Yeah, so that's that's talking about the 90-day forbearance where they're yeah. not going to foreclose and, you know, there's a you know, 60-day, 90-day suspension on that. Um, in regards to the taxes, um, there's nothing that's been... That's been Done. Right. Uh, I would advise you yeah, not correct. mess around with taxes, okay? Definitely. Uh, not mess around with taxes. don't think you should no. mess around with that. And he said last week that, you know, if you uh, you shouldn't just not pay your mortgage. Call up the bank, try to work out some deal. Just don't not pay them. Um, everybody's been asking, okay, what's going to happen to home prices? And um, now this is from the um, – this was in the Wall Street Journal, um, and I think this is from the NAR. But um, low interest rates are expected to keep mortgage refinancing. And, Ace, you're probably very busy with refinancing. Volumes, you probably a lot of people are refinancing now. Super, super, super busy, Dottie. I think everybody that can refinance um, is definitely doing so. I think they um, heed your advice um, for our listeners on the um, every single week, every Saturday. Dottie is always telling folks, you know, if you have the time, now is the time to, to now is the time to do it. Okay, you got the time. There's no excuses, and it might save you some money. <laughs> yeah, I mean it's yeah. uh, it's definitely at an all time high. Um, I think it's dropped just a little bit as rates have ticked up. Um, I believe three weeks ago we were seeing a. 30-year uh, fixed rate at 3.25. Now it's right around 3.5, 3.625. but still at an all-time low, Dottie. It's, it's going to be like this for quite some time until um, probably the end of the year. Um, again, we don't have a crystal ball here on the show, but right. 
with everything now, um, taking place. You know, take advantage of the people. You're exactly. not going to have an opportunity like this, you know, because God knows what we're going to look like when we come out of this. Now, Correct. the uh, the NAR thinks that there'll be a decline in 2020 for about 15%, and I say my opinion is it really depends on where you are. Okay, I think New York is going to take a bigger hit, especially on the higher price properties. I do think New York will come back, as it always does, but I think it's going to take a while because I think a lot of people are going to be leery because it's the epicenter of this virus. Uh, and we're also seeing that homeowners, uh, you know, sellers are some, sometimes very hesitant to allow strangers to tour their home. And uh, so that, you know, there's not as many sales now. It's, the sales are slow. Um, and they're going to be slow, in my opinion, um, until we at least see some relief in this. And then there's probably going to be pent-up demand. Now, nationally, okay, because these are national numbers, obviously, if you live in the metro area, this is a, a low. But they actually expect real estate prices of existing real estate homes um, to go up a little bit. And the average real estate price, believe it or not, in the national, in the country, was last year 272, and this year they're projecting 275. Um, so, uh, you know, I think that we're going to, you know, we're going to look and we're going to see, we're seeing activity in rentals. We're seeing a little sl a slowdown in, 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 in sales at this moment because people are just not. They're just focused on the on the on the news and what's going on. But if you have to sell or you want to buy, it probably is a good time to buy. There's not a whole lot of inventory around, and um, I think people are willing to make deals. Okay. Now, someone asked, well, what is the the long term impact on property? Now, obviously, if this goes on for a bit. There'll be a pent-up demand of all the people that wanted to sell or wanted to buy and didn't. So I believe there'll be a pent-up demand for real estate. And as I say every week, real estate, whether you rent or buy, you have to live somewhere, so it's not going to go out of business. Um, now, if you look at the very rich people, and I've always uh, watched wealthy people and what they do, uh, they're borrowing against their real estate portfolios to find new opportunities. Um, I read that a family based in Asia took out a $50 million loan against a portfolio of London properties to fund other properties, purchases, and private equity investments. Um, it's look, it's even like the stock market. I, I, you know, I have somebody, you know, I know a friend of, actually, some, some, some an agent of mine called me from Westchester. She said, Dottie, uh, you're, you're, you're never going to believe this. I bought Westcott with stock. She told me it was one of those furniture stores that's online. Uh, and she bought it at 26 and it's like 68 or 80, yeah, 69 now and it's gone up. So, you know, there's going to be deals out there and people that have some cash on the side are probably going to utilize that. Um, if you don't, if you're tight, my recommendation to everyone is to watch, you know, watch, watch your purse strings. Look at all your expenses. Take a look at what you don't have to spend. And I think it's better to plan for the worst. And if the best happens, um, and things go back quicker than um, we expect them to do, then you'll be in shape. You'll, you'll. I remember, you know, during 2008. I mean, we really crunched our our numbers. We we really took out a lot of expenses that we didn't have to, and uh, it ends up really making us a lot stronger when it was all over. When we had that recession. 
So, so you can remove your house from the market, but if you need to sell it, there are still buyers. It's, and there's not a lot of inventory, so, you know, it makes your property stand out. Um, we're going to talk about virtual tours, but I would ask everyone who has the broker doing the virtual tour to make sure you look at the tour and make sure that the quality is good because that's going to be very important for people when they're looking at homes now, virtual tours. And so you have to make sure that they're good. Ask your um, broker to show you the virtual tour. And if you were a buyer, does it? would you like to buy this house? Um, does it show well? They even have virtual tours that are three-dimensional, that you can touch things. I mean, they're really getting very creative. You know, Dottie, so, um, just yesterday, I was actually on the phone with a top Douglas Element agent, and we were discussing, you know, should should sellers list their homes during COVID-19 right now? And we came to the conclusion that it's actually the best time to put your property on the market because so many people are home just window shopping, right? And I think if you plan on putting your home when the summer hits or when you think this whole pandemic is going to be over and everyone's going to be looking for homes, you're going to be competing with everyone else um, in, that's, that's showing their homes. But if you list it now, while there's not that many homes being listed, so many people are looking through their 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 laptops exactly. and computers just, just for homes, right, Daddy? So we came to the conclusion, hey, if you're looking to list your home, this may be the ideal time because you can do your homework. You can actually put your property out there. People can do their homework, and once everyone's ready to go look at the home, then you've already been sort of like ahead of the curve. So I, I just want I to think that's great advice. I think that's great advice. And um, the economist, uh, Dr. Lawrence Young, who's the economist for the NAR, National Association of Realtors, says that, you know, this temporary softening of real estate market will likely be followed by a strong rebound once the economic quarantines are lifted. And it's critical that the supply is sufficient to meet the pent-up demand. So I really do think there's going to be a pent-up demand. I don't think there's a lot of supply out now. So, um I think if you uh, were thinking about doing it and you're online and you see something that you like, go for it. <laughs> you know, everyone's getting very creative on how we do things. I mean, really, I told you uh, I'm getting to be an expert on all these technology things that I avoided doing, but now I'm doing them. Um, you know, Inman, which is a, you know, a good friend of mine, Brad Inman, but a, a leader, a, really an icon in the real estate industry, uh, he... He wants to know what Americans are thinking right now. So what he did is he looked up, you know, with Google searches, the words mortgage and home uh, are some of the biggest Googles that people are doing. They're doing they're they're doing mortgage. They're they're Googling mortgage. They're Googling home. Um, the word home steadily rose in March as the outbreak worsened in the U.S. Um, a pronounced trend happens with the term safe home. Uh, people are going to, and home office, you know, everyone, I just bought some home office furniture. Uh, I think home offices are going to be wave of the future. People are getting really used to working at home. I think we have a break, so uh, we'll continue. I think we have the 11 o'clock news. And then we will continue with uh, any information, 86 2970 Right back after our break. Eye on Real Estate with Dottie Herman is sponsored by Citizens Bank N.A.